Hi, welcome to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and this is episode number 216, the last episode, at least for a while, or maybe forever. Yeah, I mean, after 216 episodes, I figure I've, I've presented enough material that, you know, that basically, you know, I want to move on to other things. I mean, it seems like people, you know, despite the evidence, like with climate change, people aren't um, able to accept the evidence about climate change yet, and it may take them years, you know, God, hopefully not too long with climate change. But the same thing with this, it may take people a while to digest this. And, you know, I guess I came, you know, I've been doing this show for six years. I mean, we started recording in November 2010, so, um, so yeah, you know, I, I figure it, it just may take people time for, um, to, to understand that nobody has a free will and stuff. And, you know, I don't want to like, you know, it's gotten to a point where <laughs> I feel like I'm spinning my wheels and stuff. I want to get on to another project. Now, I've got a co-host, Chandler Klebs, who he may want to like pick up the show. He lives in, in, um, in Missouri. And um, although, you know, the show won't be shown here, but he might want to create some episodes for the Internet. Who knows? But um, all right. So let's see. What do we want to talk about? All right. What I want to do, I want to talk about what I want to do. Um, and, and again, like because I don't have a free will, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I, I, I hope it happens. It seems like a good idea. Uh, there's two shows I want to work on. One is I want to um, do a show on um, and I'm going to be collaborating with a couple of people on this. A show on veganism, on, on just like, you know, the, the harm of, of carnism, of like how we treat uh, animals in factory farms. Because, uh, you know, there's, 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 I think, three great, I think, um, cruelties that we do. And it's, it's interesting. They go, um, they cross the political spectrums. I, you know, from my perspective, at least, you know, you know uh, global poverty, you know, about over a billion people just like, you know, um, just living in very, very um, unhealthy conditions. You know, their kids dying at a rate of 30,000 a day from, from largely preventable poverty-related causes, you know, illnesses and malnutritional. You know, that's, 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 that's one major tragedy of the world. Another major tragedy is, is the way we treat factory-farmed uh, animals. 60 billion animals each year, you know, suffer what, what has to be described as torture. You know, you have like sows, female pigs, confined to what they refer to as gestation crates. It's a crate so small for months at a time that they can't even turn around. I mean, this is like beyond sick. Um, and, uh, you know, and the, the last one is like, you know, basically I, I, I believe, you know, that uh, abortion, it, the, abortion doesn't seem right. You know, like I, I tend to be a liberal and, and liberals have been defending, you know, pro-choice for, for decades and stuff. But even like Bill Clinton would, would, you know, acknowledge, you know, nobody believes abortion is right. We're just trying to like minimize it. And, and like, you know, the belief is that it should still be legal, whatever. But anyway, these three um, tragedies, I think, are, are, are major. And veganism is one of them. So I want to address that. And like, but I want to, so in addition to that, that show, I think I want to do this, another show and this, it reflects, it reflects like for 30 years about since like the, the early 80s, I've been working to, to, to end um, uh, global poverty to just, you know, like I, I wrote a book, um, I, I, I basically created this idea back in the, in the mid 80s. Um, it was, well, I'll describe it, might as well. Um, 
basically ideas like you know um, the reason um, the reason a lot of people die from global poverty is because a lot of people make way too much money, much more money than they need, and the the resources of our labor, our collective labor, aren't distributed equally or you know fairly or humanely. And the idea, you know, I came up with this in the early 80s, around 84. The idea is simply that, like, you know, if we were, like, if companies were to be created that manufacture products like supermarket products, clothing products, whatever it is, but, you know, and they told consumers, well, you know, like, all 100% of the profit from this product is going to be donated to, it could be, like, ending global poverty, it could be addressing climate change, it could be... Um, you know, education, you know, medical research, there's so many like common causes could benefit us all. Then, you know, like when people shop for this stuff, instead of buying, let's say, you know, they go to the supermarket and they've got a choice of ketchup, Heinz, Hunts, or this, let's say, um, ketchup, 10 poverty ketchup, right? So that what happens is the same quality, same price product, that, you know, it's not costing the shopper anything. They buy the, 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 the ketchup for 10 poverty ketchup and um, and 100% of the profit from from that is is you know used to, to end poverty now I came up with this idea in 84 and I remember I used to like I started telling people about it back then and um, and then people said hey well somebody's doing that you know Paul Newman in Westport Connecticut you know nearby um, he actually created a company in 82 called Newman's Own, and he don't, because like a lot of people would say, you know, no, you can't, you can't run a business, you know, and donate 100% of your profit to charity. It just won't work. So like the, the great thing about Newman's Own was that I could demonstrate to people, oh, yeah, well, this guy's been doing it, and so he's been doing it since 82, and like he's donated over half a billion dollars to thousands of charities, you know, over the last 30 or so years. So, so it can be done. So anyway, um, so I was working on that, and you know, and I, you know, I was working on, on ending poverty, and I was working since 2006 to kind of like address climate change, and um, and more recently over the last six years to help people over, overcome this belief in free will because it's so harmful. And the other thing is like I've been working to to pretty much um, help people become happier because happiness is really what everything is about. This is why I do all these shows. You know, if I didn't think overcoming the illusion of free will would make people happier, there's no, no reason to do it. I mean, like, sometimes there's a, um, a reason, you know, motivation that's just like knowledge for knowledge's sake. But, you know, I tend to kind of like devote my energy to what I believe is going to help create a happier world. So what, what I came, you know, I came to the realization that, um, you know, there's, there's only so much that I could do in, in, in those areas because the opposition against a lot of stuff, you know, whether it's lack of understanding, lack of accepting the free will is an illusion, or enough concern for people who are like starving or dying of these preventable diseases, or addressing the threats of climate change. If people aren't ready for, to do those things, you know, I think after like 30, 35 years of working on this stuff, I, I said to myself, hey, you know, I, I don't want to spin my wheels. I don't want to keep working on things that um, that only have limited uh, utility. So then I, I kind of like I um, I um, I recollected this this saying by um, Gandhi by um, in, um, Mahatma Gandhi, this uh, Indian Prime Minister, really like revered leader of, of India back in the 
think the 30s, 40s, I don't know. Um, he, you know, he was quoted as saying, be the change you wish to see in the world. Okay, so in other words, instead of trying to change the world, change yourself, and maybe if enough of us do this, the world will change. And so, yeah, so like the other show that, I'm, that, I'm, that I'd like to do, I hope I do it, it seems like a good idea, is like a show on enlightenment. So like this, this idea of, of enlightenment is a bit, um, because like, you know, I pretty much have, have like, you know, mastered this happiness. I mean, I can be, you know, I can be pretty much not as, as happy as I'd want to because I mean like part of what I'm trying to do is bliss out and it's, it's harder than you would think. But I, I really am very happy and, and so that has worked out really well. But then I realized, well, wait a minute, you know, there are ways to be happy that aren't so very moral. So it's not just about happiness. It's about, you know, being happy, really happy. It's about being really good. And it's also about, for example, like having the correct view of reality. For example, you know, there's a lot of Buddhists and gurus on, on YouTube, you know, these people who, who claim to be prophets and holy men and stuff, who defend free will belief. Now, I'm sorry, if you, if, you, um, if you believe you have a free will, you can't be that enlightened. Or there, there are people who, um, who claim to be enlightened, and yet they eat animals, you know, ignoring the fact that, that these animals, you know, are generally um, tortured in factory farms before they get on, on people's plates. So again, if, if you're eating meat, you can't be really enlightened. Naturally, if, if you're not all that happy, you can't be enlightened. So like this show, so, like, so we're, I think, are all on different levels of enlightenment. There's some of us who are more enlightened than others. And again, none of this is up to any of us because nobody has a free will. It's just the way things are. So, um, but that might be the, um, the, the show, um, another show that I do soon. You know, just like exploring, because like, you know, I haven't really thought much about enlightenment. Right now I'm going through a process of trying to understand what it's about. I think meditation is important to it. Um, I think what, what I want to like, I think you can't really be enlightened without having a very strong connection to other people. Now, me personally, I, you know, I'm, I tend to deal with ideas. Communicating with people and connecting with people, that's not, not something that I'm very enlightened about, really. So I, that's something that I personally have to work on. But again, the show will be on exploring the various aspects of enlightenment, how we can all just like, excuse me, work to become better people, not just like emotionally and spiritually, but also physically, you know, just like making sure we exercise and eat right and stuff. All right, so back to, like, this is like the last episode of this show. Uh, I might as well go through like, you know, this, this last push, what, what, what happened, you know, how, what, you know, how we came to this uh, place, to this, this point in time. Um, so it started like back in April 2010. I created this meetup in Manhattan called Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. And it's still going on. We had a, um, we're, we had a meeting a couple uh, weeks ago. We usually get 15, 20 people. It's at the Sony Plaza on, on Madison Avenue, which is like interesting because Madison, um, the Sony Plaza, um, Sony building is like between 55th and 56th. And like, you know, it's, um, you can get into the plaza in, at, through 55th Street or 56th. But like now that like Trump Tower is on 56th Street and 5th, they've closed off 56th Street. So anyway, can only get through 50. So anyway, it's like we started that. Um, we started that in 2010, and then um, then by November and and like after that after that meetup, you know, it 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 
things really picked up in the press about free will. Like for, for decades before that, you didn't see stories about it. Then like for, for a year or two after that, really to a great extent because of that meetup, you had about three dozen, you know, articles in, in major uh, newspapers and magazines challenging the belief, belief in free will. After a while, I think people got scared and, you know, they got too close to the truth. And since 2012, there really hasn't been much on it. Hopefully that'll change. But anyway, so like in 2000, in November 2010, we started this show. And uh, I started with this guy named Nomi. And uh, we did a few episodes together. And then, um, you know, and then more recently, my, um, my friend Nick Vale, who's the producer of our Manhattan show, joined me as a co-host. And now also Chandler Klebs from Missouri, um, Lee Summit, Missouri. So we, we did that. And then what else happened? In 2000... And 11, then I decided I should have brought the, the book with me. Um, I decided to publish the first, I, what I did is I transcribed the first 18 episodes of this TV show and put it into book form. It's called Exploring Illusion of Free Will. I published it in 2011 as a first edition, and then I cleaned it up a lot more um, and republished it, um, added some more material in 2013. So it's Exploring Illusion of Free Will, second edition. Uh, that's on, on Amazon. You can also download it for free on the internet, you know, PDF. Just Google the name. So I did that. And what else? And, and I think 2011 was also the year that, that Nick started his, um, his New York show. Nick was coming to my meetup in Manhattan. And, you know, he, a, a friend of the, of, of the family of his, basically um, had a show that she did on Manhattan Neighborhood Network in New York City, the, the New York Manhattan's cable network, and invited Nick to go see the studio. And so, like, he told me about it. He said he was thinking of doing a show. You know, he didn't know on what. So I said, well, let's do another show on free will. So, like, his show, this is a tape show, like, but, like, since 2011, we've been doing his show, and it's live. It goes out to, you know, a potential audience of, of well, about 500 thousand uh, Time Warner subscribers and other 50,000 other uh, cable subscribers, but like, you know, about a third of the Manhattan population of 1.6 million. Um, so anyway, we, we do that, that we've been doing that live show since 2011. And, um, and that was going well. Then, um, then what else? Then um, more recently, and, um, and and like along the way, I mean, I, I I just I would do things to promote, you know, this this idea of free will, basically like of being an illusion. I would like I had this I had a sign like this that said I think um, uh, transcend the free will delusion, right? And I used I used to like walk up and down Fifth Avenue in um, in Manhattan carrying this sign, <laughs> you know? and uh, I mean, because like, in, especially in the summer, Fifth Avenue has a lot of tourists, so, you know, a lot of people taking photos and all, and then there was another um, time around those years, I think 2011, 2012, um, where I was going into Central Park with another sign that, uh, that said, free debate, um, Einstein and I um, believe that free will is an illusion, uh, try to prove us wrong. So I'd sit down in, in the mall by Bethesda Fountain uh, in Central Park. Uh, it's around 70th Street, Mid Park. 
and I'd just sit there and wait for people to come up, you know, and then I had dozens of, of like debates, just like people just, mostly tourists, a lot of tourists, you know, just like, do we have a free will, don't we? And that, that was a lot of fun. So, all right, so did that for a while. And uh, then what else? Then, um, then recently, over the last two years, we, we created a podcast, and I think this podcast is now close to 200 episodes. It's called uh, the Free Will Science and Religion Podcast, and it's also on iTunes. This show, incidentally, is on iTunes. Um, I upload the episodes to Internet Archive, that's, who's the host, and then you, know, you can download them as a podcast. But we started this podcast with, um, basically, I, I put it together... Um, and then, like, I, I put this guy, Chan, my co-host Chandler, in charge, you know, so he uploads all the episodes. He records episodes and uploads them. But we have about, there's got to be about, like, 10 or 12 of us, you know, from the United States, Canada, all, all across the United States. And we get together on Skype every Sunday at 7. And uh, we were doing that, you know, for the last couple of years. Um, and interestingly... You know, so like sometimes three or four or five or six of us at a time, you know, on a Skype call. And again, like if you if you Google um, free will, science and religion, you'll you'll see all the episodes. They're also on iTunes. Uh, but interestingly, with that, you know, like, you know, after like talking about free will being illusion for um, for five, six years, you know, with my, you know, at least from my standpoint and these guys for a couple of years. Yeah, we we, we kind of like. We, we noticed that there, we have other things in common, like there's several of us are vegans, and the rest of them are atheists, you know, pretty much. I'm, I'm, I believe in God. I believe I'm a pantheist, like, like Einstein, that, you know, God and the universe is anonymous. But anyway, we, I think with, with that, we, we may do a new show called, um, what is it, Philosophy, Science, and Religion, where we just, like, you know, cover um, more areas, you know, apart from this free will thing. But um, but I think that that basically covers. I, well, Nick Nick published a couple of books on on free will, I think starting in two thousand and twelve, and um, and Chandler published a book on free will, how it's like he he basically is very very anti-abortion. So he was explaining how like you know just how people deny uh, that we're torturing animals because this, this free will belief that would implicate us and we, we can't see ourselves as such horrible people. I think people deny that abortion is wrong because of the free will belief, because that, that would mean that we're horrible people for like ending you know, these lives before they get started and all. So he just he wrote a short book just you know, um, tying in that theme. Uh, I think it was from a, an episode I did previous to that. Um, so we, we've done a, a lot, and um, and again, then what we what we wanted to do, you know, what, what my personal aim was in this was to to get more of the uh, you know established authors to write about this, and it did happen. Um, there's a three-time New York Times bestseller, Sam Harris. I think it may be four-time by now. He. Um, he wrote a book in 2012 called Free Will. It's a short book, only about 80 pages or so, but he, he refutes free will. He's a neuroscientist. And then there's a, this other neuroscientist, Michael Gazzaniga. He wrote a book, Who's in Charge? I think it was 2012. And so, like, several books have come out. There's a, a, another a, a British guy, Richard, I forget what his name is, who, uh, a lawyer, who wrote a book refuting free will. You know, so some, some, you know, 
work has been done. But again, like the reason I'm ending the show is because like, you know, sometime around 2012, um, you know, sometimes when people get too close to a truth and the truth is too threatening, they back off. You know, that's what happened with climate change. And after An Inconvenient Truth came out in 2006, people pretty much understood, a lot of people understood the, the gravity of, of the threat of climate change. But since then, you know, a lot more people are denying it because they can't deal with it. In other words, like, if, they, if we accept the truth of climate change, we've got to change our world, and people are not ready to change our world. So, um, all right. So, and like with our Manhattan show now, we just got to notice, like, we used to do it like live every week, right? But then like my producer, Nick, you know, he didn't want to do it every week. So we started doing it every other week. That means like that this show would be like the, when we weren't live on, on Manhattan, um, uh, MNN, we would present uh, episodes of this show those weeks we weren't live. And we were doing that for a while. So we went for, from doing like a show every week to like twice a month. And finally, I think we were doing it once a month. And we've got a few more co-hosts on it. Um, um, Mitch and Chloe and Mike, um, but like we just got a letter from the station saying, "Listen, we we we've missed too many live shows, so they they now just like I don't think we're going to be live there going on. We're going to be having a taped show. But the good thing it may be an hour long, so who knows? We, we'll see. And and I, I'm going to continue to um, to do my exploring the illusion of free will um, meetup. You know, the first Saturday of each month at the Sony Plaza in Manhattan, and you know, our group, you know, even though we're going to start the, the podcast uh, Philosophy, Science, and Religion, you know, hopefully soon, we're going to occasionally just, you know, do episodes on free will. It's just like for, you know, again, um, ideas have their time, and in this whole free will thing, I think it's out there. Now just people need time to think about it, understand it, digest it. Okay, we got, we have about five minutes left, and we might as well end the show like we started it, like, just demonstrating why we don't have a free will. Okay, like, and, well, I mean, all right. First reason, cause and effect. If everything has a cause, then that means, like, there's a cause to every one of our decisions or any one of our actions, any one of our feelings or thoughts, right? And if there's a cause to everything we do, think, feel, say, whatever, there's going to be a cause to that cause, right? And then there's going to be a cause to that cause. And these causes always precede what they're what they're causing, right? So then you have this chain of cause and effect spanning back cause by cause by cause, and it's a chain that, that regresses back to before we were born, before the planet was created, ultimately to the Big Bang, and whoever knows what came before that. So that's, that's the fundamental reason free will does not exist. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. I mean, there's, it's, it's more possible that, than, than there are aliens controlling us all over here or whatever. They don't have free will either. Then, then it would be for us to have a free will. All right, so like that's the fundamental reason. But like some people don't accept causality. Some people say, nah, not everything is caused. But that doesn't help because like if you apply that argument to human decisions and you say human decisions aren't caused, well then you can't claim that we're causing them with a free will. I've explained this like you know to so many people, and you know again people we have like it's not up to us, but people have a limited intelligence. You know like you know people's IQ, people's logical, critical, critical. Um, um, analysis skills sometimes they're not all that strong. They're kind of like hijacked by their emotional needs or ideological needs. So you can explain this causality and a causality refuting to free will to people, and they get the logic, but they can't accept it. Who knows why? 
But anyway, so that's, that's the fundamental reason. Another reason that's a bit more difficult to accept is that, like, basically you have, uh, we have an unconscious mind, okay? An unconscious mind is where all our memories are stored. And basically, you know, that's like we, we, we remember things and could like our conscious mind doesn't store um, memories. Our, our conscious mind, like right now I'm conscious of the camera, I'm conscious of the lights, I'm conscious of what I'm saying, I'm conscious of what I'm thinking. It's fleeting, it's momentary. It's not where storage of data is. So like, so that means that, you know, all of our memories are stored in our unconscious. Now by definition, our unconscious is a part of our mind that we don't have access to, you know, we can't like, that's, that's why we have to study for tests, you know, we have to kind of like, you know, if we had, if we could freely will to access the, the contents of our, our unconscious, I mean, imagine that, we would be able to remember anything we wanted to at any time. So basically, the unconscious lets us be conscious of whatever it wants to on its terms. Now here's how like, <laughs> it refutes free will, we've got about two and a half minutes. Basically, since all the data upon which we, we um, make decisions is stored in our unconscious, that means that the processing of these decisions, the decision-making, must be stored in the unconscious. And again, we don't have arbitrary control uh, or access to the unconscious mind by our conscious mind. So then you have the data stored in the unconscious and the unconscious sifting through that data in order to make a decision based on moral precepts, logical principles, and all, all again, stored in the unconscious. We're not conscious about this stuff all the time. And then, like, the unconscious, at its discretion, makes us conscious of whatever it wants to. And then, so, like, so anyway, so our unconscious is what determines. So that's the second way to understand that we don't have free will. Third way is, like, we're hardwired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. This is biological. All organisms do this. We can't, so, like, if every decision we make is predicated on the prediction that it's going to create greater pleasure or lesser pain, that's not free will. Um, there are several... I mean, you could prove this to yourself, like, if you had a free will, like, you, you want to be a good person, right? If you had a free will, you could be a good person every moment of every day, but we all make mistakes, we do things wrong and stuff, it's because we don't have a free will. All right, so, so again, like, this, this may be the, the end of, of, of this uh, series, and I'm, you know, I'm glad I did it, it's been, like, very, it's helped me personally, because, like, you know, to the extent, like, you know, you don't blame people or the world for the way things are, it's great for happiness, you know, this is like, you know, it allows people not, not, not even, it's not about forgiveness because you, you don't even like blame a person to forgive them. It's like everybody's like blameless and that, that's a good philosophy to have. So, so I've enjoyed doing this. I've enjoyed, you know, I've met a lot of good friends from this. And so, um, all right, so again, you can, you can catch these, these episodes online, on YouTube, on iTunes, um, Internet Archive, you know, they're all there. And I hope, you know, I hope you go over them once in a while and, you know, understand not just that free will is an illusion, but that, like, as John Searle said, for our world to overcome the illusion of free will would be, quote, a bigger revolution in our thinking than Einstein or Copernicus or Galileo or Newton or Darwin. It would alter our whole conception of our understanding of the universe, end quote. Okay, thanks for watching. Uh, take care.